0: Please turn to page 1003. Our scripture reading today comes from Hebrews 5, 11 through 14. Warning against apostasy. About this we have much to say, and it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need, to, you need someone to teach you against the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk not solid food for everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child but solid food is for the mature for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil the word of god for the people of god So every year, uh, growing up, um, we would go to um, Six Flags over at Georgia, Atlanta, we would go, and um, from a young age, um, I grew up on a foster home for boys, my parents were house parents, and so we would load up all the boys onto the bus, pack a bunch of bologna sandwiches, go to Atlanta, and have a day of fun at Six Flags, and... Um, I can remember, I think it was the Mind Bender, but it might have been another roller coaster that I would go up to, and you remember those signs, you must be this tall to get on the ride. And I can remember I wanted to ride it, and I don't know if I got caught with my tippy toes, but it did not. It was a couple of years. One year, I got to go, and um, I did get to get on the ride. I was tall enough. I was so excited. I had grown, and I got to ride. They, they knew that, you know, I'm assuming safety reasons, you had to be a certain height and weight to get on those things. They knew it was dangerous that you had to be a certain age and uh, finally made that, um, and it was, it was so fun. Um, I don't remember ever getting back on it, but that's another story. <laughs> they knew there's danger. And you have to have maturity and some growth um, to be prepared for that. And so many things that like that are, you know, in life. I didn't really make myself grow. I didn't like stretch. I didn't think through how to do that. What what do we do to grow? Well, we we eat and we sleep. We just live, and that by nature, we we grow. We get enough food and our bodies go through the process, and we um, become mature. We do that um, physically. Uh, we, we do that mentally, educationally. We, we have experiences. We learn things. We mature, and we become um, uh, greater our understanding, and we also do that spiritually, or at least we ought to, that we uh, live under God's Word. We live within the family of God. We grow in our understanding and experience and walk with God so that we are to grow in maturity. And above all, we do so through understanding His Word, what the writer of Hebrews calls the oracles of God. We, we understand His Word and it's its nourishment to us. And like the physical growth, of needing to have a certain level of maturity and size before able to take on certain dangers. The reason we need to have some spiritual maturity and the reason we need to um, have grown some in our understanding of things is life is like a roller coaster. You're going to face really difficult things. You're, you're going to face some decisions, and the, the results of those can have huge impact. You can, you're going to face really traumatic loss and tragic events that you're going to need something robust that's able to stand up to those storms of life. You're going to get the bad news that makes you tested and have to be prepared for something. And if there's not spiritual maturity, it's just going to knock you aside. There's going to be things in life where everything just seems out of control. The winds are blowing, and and you're not sure where, and you need something steady. And so, the writer of Hebrews wants us to understand we need to be spiritually mature. And he's going to talk a little bit how that happens, and we need that spiritual maturity so that we can be whole and healthy and at peace, even amidst the difficulties of life. So, the context of this passage is he's talking about Jesus as our great high priest. And he's picking up um, a person from the Old Testament who is barely mentioned, who had met with Abraham in a few verses in Genesis, named Melchizedek. His name's picked up again in Psalm 110. But he's going to pick that up to explain how Christ is both a king and a priest. And he's going to unpack that and what it means for Christ to be our mediator and and to offer us forgiveness and to be our priest and our king. And all of this is fairly complicated. I'm not seeing too bad of looks on faces, so I guess we're okay. (laughs) So because of the complexity, he's saying... Um, this is going to be really hard to explain. It's not so much that this is something beyond your understanding, but what he says is, as he's talking to them, uh, though this time you ought to be teachers, it's hard to explain because you have become dull of hearing. But now you need someone to teach you the basics, though you should be able to teach someone at this point. In other words, you need milk, not solid food. What he's saying is they're spiritually immature for where they ought to be. They're they're not prepared because they have gone dull in hearing. Now, usually when I think of the idea of dull, you know, it it, kind of has the idea of someone who's not terribly sharp, right? They're dull. They're not right. But the, the word here doesn't mean they don't have understanding it doesn't mean they're they're not quick to learn the idea here of dullness is talking about laziness not willing to put the effort in so it's not a matter of something being beyond their reach the, the the difficulty is the unwillingness to reach for it and so this can honestly describe us at times we can get dull to hearing god's word we can get to the point where we've heard things so often we already think we know what it means we can read something and not understand it and realize it's going to be some effort to kind of understand the context of this. There's going to be some effort to, to figure out exactly what's going on. The names aren't familiar. The way things aren't explained don't really, you know, I'm going to have to learn how to read this book. There can be a dullness and a laziness because when I read this book, it convicts me. It shows that I'm not the wonderful person my mom thinks I am, that the, you know, that there's some things here. Robin smiled bigger than anybody with that one. So there's, a, there's a, a sense in which I read that, and I realize I'm not as patient and loving as Jesus when I see him. And so there's a laziness to, to, to opening my heart to being confronted by a God who wants me to grow and mature. There's all sorts of reasons we become dull to God's word. And so he's saying, you need milk, not solid food. You're, you're spiritually babies. You're not ready for the steak. Now, there is an appropriate time to drink milk. Um, Keelan and Graham were both born premature. I especially remember Keelan, um, we had these tiny little bottles. with they, they held a few ounces, and the goal, I think, was to have her drink two ounces of milk and And we were, you know, she almost drank it. We would be so excited when she drank two ounces. And I remember there was one time she she drank four ounces, and we thought, oh, she's going to bust. She's she's is so wonderful. She's drinking milk. Now, Graham's fourteen-year-old boy. If we were to go to a place and he said, you know, I think four ounces of milk will be fine, we would say, there's not something's wrong here. Something's um, not. you know, we, we go to places, and he orders chicken fingers, and they say, how many? And he says, how many can I have? You know, if you fed a teenage boy, you know there's just, they're solid food. They're growing. It's maturing. That's what's natural. And, and, and so, what I want us to say first is, if, if you are a new believer, or if, if you're working out whether or not you do believe you have to learn the basics, and it's appropriate to learn the basics. We we should never expect someone to know the faith who is not part of the faith, and we shouldn't expect someone who has just become into the faith to have the knowledge of someone who has walked for a while. So, I, there should be a kind of a, um, an affirmation here that it takes effort to learn. It takes some time to learn, and it is appropriate. And what good news that it's the same book for a 90-year-old believer who has been in church their whole life and has walked through it, and the one who is just coming to faith. We we come to the same parable, and the one who is getting milk out of it gets milk from the same parable, and the one who gets meat gets meat. It's the same book, and the Spirit speaks to you where you are and nurtures you with this, this word. His oracles come to you and grow you and meet you where you are. Don't be expecting yourself or others to be beyond where you are. Um, if you're a new believer, and yet, Paul—I'm sorry, not Paul, or whoever—is writing Hebrews, doesn't um, doesn't think that if we've been a believer for a while, we should stay just learning the fundamentals, just learning the basics. If you have been in the faith, you ought to have grown. We should mature, just as a child grows into adulthood. We as believers ought to know more about God and His Scripture than we did five years ago. We ought to have more maturity as a believer than we did 10 years ago. That if our faith is the same as when we first made a profession of faith, when we first went through confirmation class, when we first did things, something is stalled We've grown dull of hearing. We need to hear. We need to be taking in stronger nourishment. We need to be growing and maturing. And so how do we do that? We do it by His Word, by coming to His Word. Maybe, maybe you've experienced, you read this book, and like uh, hardly anything here makes sense. And then a year later, you read it, and you start to get something. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm amazed at, I've, I've been reading this book for a while, teaching it for a while. but regularly someone in the church comes to me and asks me a question. I'm like, I've never thought of that. I have no idea. And some, regularly someone comes to the church and the church comes to me and, and points out something I'd not noticed before. It's inexhaustible. And, and so we continually come to this word. We do so individually, learning, reading, reading things that help us understand it, talking to one another. We do it as a group, as we gather in groups and ask questions and hear other people's questions and other people's insights and argue and debate, meaning we come to an understanding. And we come to an understanding when we come and we sit under the Word and the Spirit meets us in worship and takes His Word and applies it to our life. We hear His Word. We, we grow in it. We, we understand the basic fundamentals, that Christ was the Son of God that he came to us because we have broken our relationship with the Father, and he came to die taking our sins so that we can have that relationship restored. And then we move on deeper in understanding of what does that mean for me? How do I live out of that? And so we move from those basics of understanding the gospel of Christ dying for sinners and that our Our relationship with God is based only in our trust in Him and not our good works. And then understanding deeper, how do our works play into it? Why do we have good works if if that's the case? We mature and we grow. But let me pause there because I'm afraid we bring a very intellectual uh, understanding of growth and knowledge of the Scriptures. I'm afraid when I say we need to know this word, that, that what comes to mind is, I really need to understand the background of the, the Moabites. I, I really um, I need to have the, the kings of Judah and Israel figured out and all those genealogies I need to recognize. Th- this, this understanding isn't so that you can win a Bible trivia contest. It's a spiritual understanding where you've grown and you've lived in obedience so that it's begun to shape your character. I'm sure you've known those people in your life that they're more like Jesus because they, they read the Word with an intent to obey, an intent to, to trust. There's content we have to know. You know, we have to know who Jesus is. We have to understand some basics of who this God is who loves us. But it doesn't stop there. It, it, it's all to shape us and to form us, to, to transfer our imagination so that when I read this, I obey it. I find, how does this need to apply to my life that I need to change? When I read this, it shapes the way I view the news. So I, I see something happen on the news. I don't just think, oh, that's awful, but I, I, I filter it through Scripture to see what's going on. I, I, I read it to um, just shape my understanding of the world. And above all, to know a God who loves me and who loves you in spite of our failures, to do what He's called us to do, so much that He gives all that He has to bring us into relationship with Him. We do it for that, which is why I've, I've known those with very little education, but they've read this book, and they've lived this book, and they've applied this book so that their understanding of this book is way beyond someone with a PhD in New Testament. The PhD in New Testament can tell you a lot of facts and probably understands more. And I'm not saying all of them, but that doesn't necessarily mean they've learned humility. doesn't necessarily mean they've begun to apply this into their life. This is a book that we, we read together. We hear God speak to us, and it matures us. It grows us into be like Christ. And that's not so um, that we can get our Bible merit badge. Our Sunday school teachers can be proud of us so we can feel like we're better than someone else, so we have a good weapon to beat up other people who disagree with us politically. The reason we do it is so that we have the powers of discernment trained in the constant practice to distinguish good from evil. That We learn to know what is good, what brings life, what brings peace, what brings reconciliation, what brings wholeness. What brings flourishing to our lives versus what is evil? What destroys trust? What decays life? What brings death? That we learn to distinguish and, and, and two, kind of two ways. One is so that we put in our life. If I learn the things that make for a life of wholeness and healing and harmony, that is good, and, and so I want to learn how to do that by watching the way Jesus dealt with people, by learning what God's will is. But the other way is to learn the good and evil uh, so that we can appreciate the goodness of God. He's not here today. I won't call his name, but we had an elder take me to an Alabama-Memphis um, basketball game. You don't have to talk to me very long at all to know I don't know anything about basketball. I think my first comment when we went in was, Oh, there's only five people on each team. It went downhill from there. Now, the thing is, I, I enjoyed it, I had a great time, very much had fun. But, you know, the crowd would, Woo, and I would, What's going on? You know, the crowd would cheer, and I would have no clue. Um, I could could see when a basket, you know, a ball in a basket, but, you know, the ref would blow a whistle and everything looked fine to me. And I had no clue. In other words, I could not appreciate the game on the level of someone who knew the game, someone who really knew the game. Now, on the other hand, go with me to a concert, and I will drive you crazy giving you the background of this blues artist and the uh, labels he was with and the bands he was with and where he grew up and his influences. And he'll play something, and I'll laugh, and you won't notice what it is because he's kind of making some kind of connection to things. And I, I know music. And you might say it all sounds the same to me, but I'm appreciating music because I know it. I, I, I'm playing guitar, and so I can, I can see when somebody does something that's really incredible that I could never do on the guitar that's our spiritual life. The more you know, the more you can appreciate. The more you know a God's goodness and His love for you and what He suffered and what He wants you to be and what He's promised and what He's doing in your life, the more you know that, the more you will know that goodness and distinguish it from the evil, and the more you will appreciate Him and love Him and trust Him. So, it's all so that we know the God who loves us, And so that when those temptations come to despair, when the storms hit us and we don't know what to do, when we're facing the difficulties of life that will come, we've appreciated and known the good. We've known him. And our trust can be bold and strong because we can face anything with confidence because we're mature and we know who he is and know what who we are and what he has done for us. And when we know that, we can face whatever difficulty comes, because we have the confidence of the children of God. Would you please stand and let us state what we believe for the words of the Apostles Creed?